Welcome to the new Cyber Frontier, bringing you the latest news and initiatives that focus on the development of cybersecurity economics. You don't have to be a computer or cybersecurity expert to get plugged in. Your host brings it straightforward, asks the tough questions, and brings the cyber world to a level of understanding for everyone. You can find us on the web at www.newcyberfrontier.com. Now join our host as he introduces the topic for today's New Cyber Frontier. Welcome to today's episode of New Cyber Frontier. This is Chris Gorog, and I'm on with my lovely co-host, Martha Laughman. And uh, today we are going to talk to uh, Carrie Maitre, who's the Senior Director of Product Marketing at Mandiant. Now, we've heard a lot from Mandiant, uh, one of the big names, and we're really excited to hear from Carrie today. So, Martha, go ahead and introduce Carrie and bring her in. Hold on, no. Stop. You didn't tell me I was introducing Carrie. You said you were doing there. I did, but I'm giving you time to talk here. So, <laughs> no, new no, no, under no. fire, Martha Laughman, no, take no. it and roll. That was mean, Christopher. This is all staying in, too. Start over, and this is not staying in, and introduce Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie, hi. Thank you for joining us today. Um, we are very excited to speak with you. Um, can you start with telling us a little bit about your personal narrative and how you got to where you are today? Sure. Um, it's, it's a lot of people ask, how the heck did I end up in marketing? And the reason is because is I went to school for engineering. I went to school for computer science. My, my first jobs were, were programming and I loved it. Like that's, you know, where my, where my heart is, where I, where I started. Um, but then I moved into cybersecurity. I got pulled into an ethical hack team because they, they didn't have a lot of people come from networking when you're talking about ethical hack or red teaming. And I came from applications. They didn't have somebody on their team that knew how to build applications. So they didn't have somebody who knew how to break them. So they pulled me in. Um, that's how I got into security, moved up through security intelligence, which I hate to say when I started looking back now, security intelligence was not intelligent. We've come a long ways. <laughs> you know, at the time we thought we were, we were big. It was going to be great. Um, we've come a long ways. And then, you know, kind of uh, migrated into product marketing roles. And the reason is, is because it's getting the story out to people. It's, it's explaining, and simplifying the why, why we need security at all, why we need different tools, why we need operations. So that kind of brought me into my current role at Mandiant. That's interesting. So you think the why is more important in getting the messaging out than the what? Like what exactly yes. does the tool do? Why yes. is that? I, I always try to drill back down into, you know, one, why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. And two, how are people going to interact with this? I mean, it's not just a, hey, we put up a firewall suite. It's a, what, what's the downflow of that? How is that going to affect the SOC? How is that going to affect you know, incident response or even, you know, communications on the back end if you do find something. I like tying together that entire piece, figuring it out, an endless puzzle. And when you find that, you know, businesses or individuals, you know, government are looking at purchasing a new tool, are they doing this because of the why or are they doing this because of the what? Are they being proactive or reactive? What what are the elements that go into the decision making process? Oh. I think a lot of times it's the, oh, I need this thing. I need the, the latest. I need, I need, I need. 
the problem is, I mean, just, just take firewalls, for example. The problem is you invest, you upgrade into a new firewall. Your old one's five years old. You need to, you need to do a refresh. The problem is you do a refresh and you just move over the exact same rules that you had into your new firewall. You're not using any of the new features. So then the people that made the investment, the CISO level, the boards think we made this great investment. We're better protected. On the downstream, you didn't actually implement the new features, so you're really no better protected than you were before. So I think what drives investment is the idea that you're going to be better protected. I don't think on the back end we're doing a good job of making that a reality and, and measuring that. All right. Well, let's take a break here real quick. We're going to hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back to talk to Carrie some more. Cyber Resilience Institute helps build strong cyber communities designed to prevent members from attack. Like building a neighborhood watch, it takes coordination and a sharing community to protect our identities and valuables in the virtual world. Typically, we hear that organizations know they need to do something to protect their cyber assets, but don't know where to begin. Let Cyber Resilience Institute help your community create an action plan. Cyber Resilience Institute will build your community or business marketplace so that it is designed to support a collective cyber defense. Contact them for more information at cyberresilienceinstitute.org. We are back with Carrie. Hi, Carrie. Um, so right before we had our break, you were talking about, um, you know, this almost this reactive strategy of organizations buying security tools and then not fully implementing it. Do you have any metrics behind this? Yeah, I mean, metrics is a big deal for me. And the way that I look at metrics is there's there's um, configuration confidence. That's what people are looking for. That's what that's what the focus is a lot of times. And that means what technology is implemented. Uh, is it configured to best practice? Is it the latest and greatest? How, what percentage of tool, what percentage of the tools am I actually using? Where on the opposite side, where I want people to also focus is the operational confidence. So if the tool alerts on, you know, bad, bad actor behavior, do you have the right people and processes in place to handle those sorts of attacks? And so it's that, you know, maybe there's an overfocus and overshift on the configuration confidence and the technical piece rather than the, hey, can we actually deal with an alert if we find it? So um, it's not only measuring what percentage of tools you use, but how effective are your analysts? Are they overwhelmed? Which I'm going to say most of the time they are. But how do you measure that? And what's the right number to get down? You know, what's the right number of events that they can handle per, per hour? Mm-hmm. So that's interesting, Chris. You talk about that all the time, how a lot of times when there's something goes wrong, we have this almost as like maybe not best practice, but standard practice where companies will throw money at either the people side of it or the tool side of it. Mm -hmm. What kind of a percentage of, uh, you know, overall things, you know, attacks or whatever that are identified are caught by the people side of it? And what percentage kind of slip through the crack? Do you have any numbers on that? Oh, I I don't have any distinct numbers uh, on that. I do know that the the more that's faced anal- that's put in front of an analyst's face directly relates to how many uh, attacks are going to be missed. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that we can use technology and people together for is, you know, 
automation? What sort of intelligence can you put into the data before you put it in front of an analyst? If they see 100 low fidelity events in an hour, they're going to ignore some, things are going to slip by, they're going to miss a lot more than if you have enriched um, intelligence, intelligent um, alerts in front of them. They have eight of them is probably an appropriate number. They're going to be able to do a lot more reasoning around that mm-hmm. rather than kind of panic and like, oh, just clear my desk, clear my desk. Yeah. So what do you making sure that the right things are presented to an analyst? What do you say to people that are there's kind of this fear out there that the analyst role is going to be taken over by automation? Yeah. Or by AI. I, never. <laughs> Why is that? I think it, it will be um, assisted greatly by automation, and we need that, obviously. Uh-huh. You know, analysts are overwhelmed. It's one of the things we always hear about. I don't think that um, AI will ever replace an analyst. And the reason is, is because um, there's always nuances. Not always. Um, if you get down into eight alerts that really need to be investigated, the people bring a, a human investigation quality with them. Mm-hmm. You know, machines are very good at events. People are very good at situations is kind of a way to look at it. People are going to be needed to figure out the nuances um, of attacks. Yeah. So but, I would oh, just, just go and look at that. I mean, over 10 years ago, uh, analysts, operations came out, companies came out with tools that made so much data that nobody could keep up with it. They started databasing it and they all promised AI was going to solve this problem in the future. And the further we march along, it just seems like it, you know, it almost stays just the same 10 years out in the future for AI. What do you think about that? I mean, you said they'll never be replaced by AI. What do you think yeah. about the, the movement in AI towards being a viable solution? What percentage are we there? And when does that ever kind of come into a viable tool? Yeah, I mean, um, one, it's embarrassing to see, you know, I started my career more than a decade ago. And and, you know, saying, oh, we're, we're almost there. We've almost solved the problem. Well, we haven't. Um, <clears throat> the, and, and like you mentioned, visibility is great. All this information is coming um, from all of these tools everywhere. We, we have a false sense of if the more information we have, the better protected we'll be. The problem is, you know, you don't have that, a, that automation in there. So it all ends up on an analyst desk. Here's the solutions I have seen. 10, 10, 15 years ago, we were talking about correlation. Oh, if we just correlate events, bubble them up, it will be fine. What I've seen now is with solutions where they're adding in the intelligence. They're adding in, you know, different data, different math models. I mean, this stuff goes, I hear people talk about the Bayesian belief networks or, you know, the different things that they're using um, that work. And what's interesting about AI, in my opinion, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be better than the analyst. And so if you run through some of these tools, um, we have, you know, our Mandia Advantage has this, but if, if you run through what an analyst finds or a team of analysts, and then you run through a tool over and over and over again, it finds more. It finds more, it can handle more data. This doesn't mean the analyst gets replaced. What this means is the analyst doesn't have to look at everything. They can just look at what matters and go figure out, okay, this actually needs to be investigated. Let me go. Let me run with it. 
And analysts have more to juggle today. There's more feed coming in than there was 10 years ago, too. So, oh, yeah. I mean, I always think of it as like, you know, um, like keeping a house clean, right? A hundred years ago, it, we didn't have the tools we have today. Um, right. And now we have these steam cleaners and um, dishwashers and all of these tools, but we have bigger homes and a lot more people yeah. cycling in and out of them, right? And so as our standards for cleanliness in the home go up and we have more transactional, you know, transactions going throughout of our home too, it's really the same way in cybersecurity. When Yeah, and it's it's the ability to... How do we bring in more information, more visibility and have not higher have standards it end up on the analyst lap? Mm-hmm. And that's where AI fits. True. We have AI is going to take over everything. Yeah. We haven't put any housekeepers out of work. Huh? <laughs> no, right. I, I mean, we, we really haven't with the tools. So I, I, I'm with you. I don't really understand where that, that fear comes from. Um, I think, you know, um, there's a lot of, a lot of almost scare tactics we use in cybersecurity. Um, with each other and with the public, which is, which is interesting. And that must really be counterproductive with the role you're in, right? Here you are trying to explain the why and reach out to people, but there's this like kind of almost this undermining theme out there, right? Yeah. Of there's always something to be afraid of. How yeah. do you, is that something yeah. you encounter? Like, how do you overcome all the, that? All the time. And that's where, you know, the intelligence comes in because it's not only the, gazillion threats that are out there it's the figuring out well which ones are actually going to affect you and it seems so simple but it's you know take what's out there take what your environment looks like and then think about if you were attacked by this particular thing what's the impact to your business and a lot there's been a lot of really big uh, breaches out in the news lately Mm -hmm. and you know some of them are they're, they're not impacting everybody in the world. It's not like my home PC, I need to go unplug it because it's going to be infected. It's, you know, we, we have to use that intelligence to figure out what we're, what actually matters to us so that we're not afraid of everything because we can't be afraid of everything or we will all burn out. <laughs> so using the intelligence is the, is the key. I know one time, Chris, you were explaining to me that when people see something negative, we, we avoid it. That's one of our instincts, right? So it's, almost that fight or flight response. Yeah. And, and I have the opposite. I'm just like, you see something negative. I want to go figure it out. I'm going to go figure out why. That's why you're in the role you're in. Exactly. That's why I'm, in the yeah. role. <laughs> that's why I'm surrounded by people that are like-minded of like, wait a second, why is this happening? Let's go figure it out. So it's great. Yeah, it definitely is something that resounds in the industry where we're trying to fix problems that, uh, that are more or less in line with, uh, restricting some of the other operations in the business more often than not. But uh, we're going to take a break here and hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back in a minute. We're back with Carrie Matry. Carrie, I want to circle back to something you mentioned a little bit earlier. Um, you were talking about implementing new tools in to the security process. And you were saying that there are, 
oftentimes n- tools are only implemented 10% or, mm-hmm. um, a, you know, a small percentage of, you know, what they're really purchased for. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of experience in the firewall space where, you, again, you implement this brand new technology. It's got URL filtering. It's got SSL decryption. It's got all these things. And if you really look at it, you're, they're not using any of these things. Um, I've also seen this with um, different automation tools where it's almost like they, they think if they plug in a tool, it's all, they're going to get value out of it. And that's not how things work. I used to see this in the SIM space all the time. Like, oh, I've set up my, my SIM. It's running perfectly. I talked to a company once and said, how many feeds do you, or how many use cases do you have? And they had one. And it was like, wow. uh, password, you know, repeat password failures. Like, does your CISO know this? <laughs> so. Yeah. So what, when tools are, are not used to the full capability that I'm assuming they were intended to be used, um, how does that impact your team? I mean, that, that directly impacts the SOC, the analysts, which, you know, I consider my team. Those are my, my people that I look out for. Yeah. <laughs> I want to make sure that people are okay. Um, but let's say you're not using URL filtering. You're not using something super basic. Um, more events are going to end up in the SOC. It's, it's how it's going to happen. They're going to have to deal with it. If, if I'm in leadership and I spend money on purchasing a tool, I'm going to assume that that tool is being used to the full capabilities. And then if something happens and the SOC is responsible for it, I'm going to blame the people on the team for, you know, not preventing what should have been prevented. Is right. this a cycle that you see? It is. And there's ways around it. I mean, there are built-in capabilities to our security tools. Um, some vendors fully built in and will say, you know, here's how much of your firewall or whatever that you're actually using. They will give you maps. Um, they want you to be, you know, we as, a, as an industry want you to be more protected. Um, the other thing is you can, you know, red teams, purple teams, um, penetration testing exist, has existed for 20 years, I mean, or more. Um, you know, you need to prove the, the, um, the value of all your technologies beforehand. And now there's automated solutions. So mm-hmm. you don't have to go, you know, twice a year and say, I need a red team. You know, there's, there's automated solutions you can use. And then you can have that confidence. It goes back to that configuration confidence and operational confidence. You yeah. need to be able to have both. So, so when I, I having been on the the ground here, I would I would come back and say, you know, oftentimes we get a new tool, and we say, okay, we're going to bring over what we had in the last tool, configure it, and then later we're going to come back and do more. But right. then this team is so busy that. Mm-hmm. Their task on everything else, they, you know, they'll get to it later tomorrow. And that happens for three years. They'll get to it tomorrow. <laughs> um, so it kind of winds into the, the workforce problem we talked about in some of our, our, our previous conversations. Um, what is a good path that you can recommend as, you know, that first day one happens, you transition everything in. Now as we're moving forward, how do you get to be more effective over time with that limited, uh, you know, resource budget, human resource budget? Yeah, I mean, it, there's there's going to be assessments you can do that hopefully automated, built into the tool to tell you what you're using, what you're not, prioritize it, and then put time aside for it. So there has been a huge shift that I've seen within security operations where um, analysts have kind of a 30-30-30 plan. So it's 
30% of the time is looking at a console, working through events. 30% of the time is uh, hunting, you know, taking intelligence that you have, going and figuring, you know, hunting through your environment to see if there's an active compromise. And then the last third is spent on that configuration, mm-hmm. you know, spent on not only the technology configurations, but also playbooks. Um, and it's so, you know, we've implemented technology that now requires 30% of our time to keep up, but it's really, really important. Mm-hmm. Do you I'm have, um, like, like training guides or, or process guides for that 30% of the time that would help your customers to start implementing and utilizing it better? Um, I think one, every vendor is going to have their own process guide. Um, we as Mandiant are, you know, product agnostic or product inclusive. And so we help, you know, help our, our customers with those process and procedures, you know, kind of take every company's different, but kind of take skeletons and, and build out the, what they're going to do with that 30% of the time. Gotcha. And it's really prior, it's really prioritized based on intelligence. So that's a big part of what your offerings are, I guess, in the consulting roles. Yeah, it's, you know, Manny is known for world-class incident response. You know, that's, it's kind of what we, um, it's our flagship, but we also do um, a ton of cyber defense operations. And so this is end to end. What does it take to build cyber defense? You know, beyond a SOC, it's going to take intelligence. It's going to take hunt. It's going to take um, engineering. Mm-hmm. We help our customers with that whole um, stream. Okay. So give the example of a firewall, and that's so commonly everybody starts out with that. Can right. you give a couple more examples of tools and, and areas that, that can be looked into here? Yeah. Um, one of the cool things that we have at, um, at Mandia is called security validation. But when, when I was referring before, uh, about red teams, red teams are going to come in. They're going to, you know, the sock is looking for them maybe. Um, and they're going to try to break in. Okay. Cool. That's one point in time. Um, using the latest and greatest intelligence, the latest and greatest um, attacks. Security validation is an automated version of that. So you can run it every hour. You can run it once a day. You can run it once a week. And um, that's the sort of tool that get it in there, configure it right, configure it right. Let's work on English. Um, <laughs> and then you're going to see the the benefits. Um of the entire coverage. You know, it's not just in one place, it's not just one point in time, but it's that let's implement this right, let's get the full coverage we need. Okay. So if I if I we've been talking a lot to companies and uh Martha has a lot in her field of people looking for jobs, looking to get into the industry. Okay. Talk about how we could talk to that those listeners in our audience about, you know, how could they break in? What do you need? How can they align with you? How can programs that bring in people work with Mandiant? Give us some of that. I was going to say, uh, hiring, join the club, you know, uh, <laughs> at Mandia, we're looking for people all of the time. And, you know, the question is, how do you break in? Um, one of the things that we do at Mandia is we have an internship program. So kind of helping computer science, um, network, uh, engineers build up their skills, kind of be introduced to intelligence, um, cyber defense. The other thing that I really like to remind people of, is the more diverse team that you hire, the more your talent pool expands. And what I mean by this is if you hire a female, chances are they have a bunch of females that they know that they can bring into your your talent pipeline. You hire a person of color, chances are they have a huge network 
that you don't have access to, they can bring in. So, you know, more diverse teams open up that pipeline. And a lot of times people don't don't realize that effect of diverse teams. Okay. So in uh, kind of reaching the end here of our time, is there anything that uh, you'd like to get out, call to action of how people or who, what kind of customers can engage with you, anything like that? Uh, go ahead and do that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Mandiant is going through some big changes and it's really, really exciting to me. Um, you know, kind of being able to focus on that intelligence, that automation, it's, it's an exciting time. We're looking for people. If you want to um, engage with me about you know, different roles that are available, you want to talk about different, you know, automation to really activate your cyber defense and not just kind of have it sitting on the side. I'm passionate about that. Please, please reach out to me. Check us out at Mandiant. All right. And uh, we've had a great, great interview here today. And thanks for joining today at New Cyber Frontier. This has been Chris Gorog. Thank you, Carrie. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of New Cyber Frontier. Remember to get involved. Often we think that someone else will handle privacy and security in the virtual world. But you are the only one truly in command of your virtual fate. Join our mailing list so we can keep you informed of breaking news and new releases. If you have an idea... If you have a question that you would like to hear answered, or if you want to get involved with our efforts, reach out to us at newcyberfrontier.com. We also encourage you to visit our sponsors' links as they are the ones that really make this show possible. I want to thank each of you for supporting the show, and we look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of New Cyber Frontier.